Ladies and gents, this is the moment you've waited for. Live in the entertainment capital of the world. Aces with love a stop. Picked up by Gray. She can go coast to coast. There's three. There's two. She's going to launch from three. Chelsea Gray for three. Unbelievable. It's the TC Martin Show. Jackie's got it. Aces got numbers. Three on two. To Plum for three. KP, ring it up. Boom, shaka-laka-laka, boom. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor. TC Martin. To Bay. She's open for three. She sees it. She's got the bucket. One, two, three times for Bay Bay. TC Martin. And you got that right. Money won't change it. Raquana. Bay Bay Williams. Boom. This is the greatest show. The ball is in the air. The Las Vegas Aces have won their very first WNBA championship. The doctor is now here. Glad to have you here on this Monday. Oh, yes. We're going to recap a busy Las Vegas weekend. Aces get win number 27. It's pretty historic when you think about it because the Houston Comets' best record in the history of the WNBA, 1998, 27-3, and that was it. 30 games in that season. The Aces equal that with their victory last night against the Atlanta Dream as they win that game, 86-65, and the Aces now... 27 and 3. So obviously they'll eclipse the 27 win mark. But will they lose another game? That is the question. Mm. And if they don't lose a game, then they would not only have the most wins ever in the history of the WNBA, but the highest winning percentage as well. 10 games left. And uh, tomorrow night, a huge game. We'll talk about that. The Commissioner's Cup final worth 500 thousand dollars all right so we'll dive into that today marco d'angelo in the house as he always is on mondays what's going on my man just enjoying a big weekend a lot of sports raiders uh, looked impressive and you know don't print the playoff tickets just quite yet not yet it's preseason yeah. don't get excited <laughs> <laughs> i know we'll talk about that today i uh, got a chance to do the double header yesterday. So go to the stadium. Had it worked out perfectly too. She had a one o'clock game and then the aces played at six. And I said, okay, how am I going to work this where I do not have to deal with traffic, even though it's close proximity from Allegiant Stadium to the Michelob Ultra Arena? And I said, well, wait a minute. You know, games at one o'clock. We know the start on time with that. Uh, second half's not going to mean anything, right? Cause it's a preseason game. So, uh, I was, you know, working the clock in my head and everything. Okay. I think I'll leave about the, maybe the second possession of the second half, midway through the third quarter, something like that. And, uh, that's if they didn't, you know, have a long first half penalty field, which they didn't. It was like less than an hour and a half. And then I said, but I need some food. Freddy's will be right down the street there. Am I going to have time with traffic without this and that? Worked out perfectly, my friend. I got it all. So I left. Actually, I think I stayed to the beginning of the fourth quarter. Got to Freddy's. Uh, had my California double yesterday. Get to the Michelob Ultra Arena with time to spare. Like at, you know, 4.46 p.m. for 6 o'clock game. Worked out perfect. So 
walking from Mandalay Bay to Allegiant Stadium uh-huh. and then back was never an uh, option. Never an option. You know what scared me off was the, you know, 105 degree temperature. I'm not going to do that. You can do it. No, see, because again, I wanted, you know, I can't be like you guys who go like, you know, wear shorts and tennis shoes. You know, I got to get kind of dressed up and that sort of thing. So I, I, I didn't want to deal with that. And then, so I, I worked a chauffeur situation out. Got a chauffeur. Yeah. I got, got a ride there, work out the time, you know, pick up this and that. That was all good. Lighten up, Francis. That was all good until it started to rain. It started to rain at like 3.33. I didn't see rain in the forecast. Now I wonder why no one was at the car wash on Saturday. Because I went to the car wash on Saturday thinking, oh my, I'm going to have to wait for an hour and a half, two hours. I don't know if you ever have to deal with that stuff. But it was like smooth sailing. I mean, shout out to my guys over at the Lucky 7 Car Wash. My man, Jam Master Jay. Hector with a H with the Astros hat, who was off, by the way. But no one was there. I wish to say no one. I mean, it was a light crowd. So I got in and out of there an hour. And then I'm looking at this rain on, uh, you know, yesterday. Well, I'm waiting for my ride. And I say, oh, that's why no one was at the car wash. You know, most of the car washes, if you do get your car washed on Saturday and it rains the next day, you can take your receipt back in the wash yeah. yeah. again. It's usually like a 48-hour, like, right? Yeah. But what's the problem with that? Now, come on now. There's a problem with that. You have to go back. Exactly. You got to go through it all over again. You are a princess. <laughs> you really are. Hey, that's the first time I've been called a princess. Better than a diva. A princess, huh? Yeah. I'm the king of rock. <laughs> so, you know, this reminds me of, this reminds me of uh, my conversation with Becky Hammond. Because now we're just like exchanging lyrics all the time before the game. And uh, we actually talked about a little run, run DMC. Uh, Numchuck. He, he's got ears everywhere, doesn't he? Becky had a pretty busy weekend. Yeah, she did. <laughs> that was one heck of a three-day uh, span there. Friday night, pl- have a home game, get on a plane. Did she fly out Friday night or Saturday morning? Yeah, so she flew out uh, late night after the game. So let's back it up a little bit. Yeah, so Friday night, the Aces play the Mystics. And uh, the Aces win going away. So Becky leaves uh, courtesy of Mark Davis's jet. So that was pretty cool. He says, listen, this is your moment. Take your family. You guys go and do it. So um, she gets in very, very late, early in the morning, you know, Saturday morning. And, um, has to be up. Um, I guess that, well, she woke up at six, but she goes, she would try to go back to sleep, sleep for like an hour and a half, but they had a boatload of festivities that they had to do. So they had to do a meet and greet. Then they had to have a rehearsal, um, a meeting or like a production meeting. Then they actually had to do a walkthrough and then they had to do uh, a red carpet event and then have the event where she said that she had to sit for three and a half hours. And I don't know if you guys saw the uh, festivities or not, but, you know, she had her two boys with her, and they were, like, sit, you know, crawling on her lap and everything. It was like, <laughs> wow. And it's like, okay, you know, you're going through this beautiful ceremony, these accolades, and you're getting inducted into the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame. And then when she's telling me, you know, this story about her, you know, 24-hour whirlwind, I'm kind of going, 
Yeah, I feel sorry for you. (laughs) (laughs) But I guess anybody will will go through that to, you know, you know, go through that once in a lifetime type of accomplishment. So pretty cool. And to fly back and have a game on Sunday. And yeah, that's the thing. I mean, there you go. So you play Friday night, and then you got all that Saturday. And then again, you know, you gain. The good thing is when you come back, you gain time the three hours because you're going to Springfield, Massachusetts. But yeah, what a whirlwind! And then I said to her before the game, "So, well, tired now? I mean, what, what thing?" She goes, "She goes exhausted, but she goes, hey, you know, this is what we do. Price you got to pay, all good." And then uh, as you saw the Aces, they rolled a victory last night. They did shorthanded as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, injury announced late, and the bench isn't deep to start with. Right, right, right. And uh, I know that uh, for those that were betting on that game and laying 17, the same number that it was Friday with Washington, um, people were a little concerned uh, about that. But, yeah, no one really knew about the injury. Got the word about half hour before game time that Alicia Clark um, was going to be out with a back injury. But uh, it was just precautionary reasons, so she was there. Candace Parker was there, too, last night. Um, on her scooter, you know, so that was, that was cool to see her there, but, uh, just precautionary. And, uh, Alicia Clark was at practice today, uh, draining threes. So she'll be ready to go for the big game tomorrow, the commissioner's cup for $500,000. Speaking of draining threes. Yes. <laughs> we had, uh, a, a sighting that we hadn't seen a lot of Kayla George, uh, with some threes yesterday, season high, eleven points for her. She did. She had three threes, and then she had a, 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 a deuce that she got fouled on that, and that could have been another three point play. So she got nothing but three point plays, but uh, she missed the free throw. So, but uh, you know, Kayla George was impressive. She was impressive. I will give that. Which she was going to get. You know, I was glad to see her do that too. Yeah, but I, her interview. At, afterwards on the tv side of it i mean she that accent and she's just she's it's infectious listening to her laugh wait a minute you telling me you didn't listen to the pre-game interview with kayla george because there was a lot of laughs in that you didn't turn on your radio and listen to her being my guest in the pre-game show yesterday yes no you you interviewed her earlier in the season i, I did yeah, yeah. But- i i heard that one i didn't hear yesterday okay then basically heard the same thing. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> she is fun though. I mean, she is fun. And you and I kind of joke about, you know, about uh, her. She it's taking some time for her to adapt to um the WNBA game. But last night she got extensive minutes. And I know there were probably some fans going, Oh boy, she's gonna have to play, but she played well last night. And she, she is a good three point shooter. She did. I, you know, unfortunately, as I told you when we came in, I, it was been a rough week, you know, and, uh, I fell asleep at halftime <laughs> yeah. of the game. So, uh, hmm. didn't wake up till it was over and hmm. saw hmm. they covered, saw it went under to my dismay because I did bet the under on Friday night that it was, that was toast. I thought, you know, that they were going to manage minutes, you know, on these two games because everything tomorrow's the game. Right. You know, I mean, we know the commissioner's, you know, cup and everything with that. It's who they're playing. Mm-hmm. That's the team that, you know, laid it on them, embarrassed them, mm-hmm. you know, a week ago Sunday. And I think they're, they're, they're waiting for that revenge game, but it's going to be, you said, will they lose another game? Mm-hmm. They play New York back to back. And that's going to be, I think is going to be a problem. The couple losses that they had this year, as I pointed out to you before, 
was second of back-to-back against the same team. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The road games are the ones that that concern me when they go on the road because that's when you usually you know you have some issues because whether it's travel or playing a tough team in back-to-back situations. They lost the Connecticut game, which is you know they won the the first game in Connecticut, then they didn't have to travel. They played them, and but you know Connecticut got them. That was a game where. Um, Dewana Bonner went off for 41. And so that was their first loss. Then they were, you know, on the road in Dallas and a game where they thoroughly dominated, had an 11.4th quarter lead and then, um, couldn't get rebounds against the best rebounding team and they got the loss there. Then the New York situation was, it was a circle game for the Liberty because the Aces defeated the Liberty by 17, you know, a few weeks before that. So it was a great spot for the Liberty. They were at home. They were ready to play. And is, you know, I was talking to Asia Wilson about that earlier today, uh, leading up to tomorrow's game. I can't say what she said, but she goes, blank happens. Mm-hmm. And that really, that was that game. Uh, the Aces played well for the first half. They led at the, at the end of the first quarter there in Brooklyn. They trailed by five at halftime. And then the second half came and all of a sudden, you know, here comes Zinescu just raining threes left and right, like she did at the all-star, you know, competition. Uh, but they were focused that day. They played lockdown defense. I give the Liberty all the credit in the world. But, uh, you know, Becky Hammond, as she says over and over, she does not like to lose. And the Aces, as we all know, are great in these revenge game situations. So that's why I think a lot of people have this game circled tomorrow night, not only because it's Commissioner's Cup, but from a betting standpoint, thinking, okay, the Aces are going to bounce back. And I firmly believe that. I can tell you, you know, just from being at practice today, it was a, um, it was like a postseason practice today, or it was like a, you know, early on in training camp practice day. And that was by design with Becky Hammond. They were laser focused today and they know what's, what's ahead of them. But then, like right after practice, here we go back into being loose and being confident. And that's exactly what you want to see in a team. And you usually don't see that, you know, teams that can turn it on, turn it off. You know, when it comes to game preparation like that. So, uh, they are going to be ready, uh, for the Liberty tomorrow. Uh, I still believe they are the better team, even though because of what the Liberty did to the Aces going back a week ago Sunday. Now a lot of people are saying, Oh, well, you know, now the Liberty's starting to get it together. They're starting to get comfortable with each other. I mean, that is true. They're a formidable opponent. They're very, very good. But I think tomorrow we are going to get a good gauge of where both of these teams are at because not only are they both playing at their best right now, the Liberty are playing fantastic right now. Heck, Brianna Stewart had 45 points yesterday, you know, and then the Aces are where they're at right now. And you add on top that this is for the Commissioner's Cup and they're playing for money. Yeah. They're playing for money. They're playing for a half a million dollars. So the winning team gets a half a million dollars and that is split up amongst the players and then the organization and, and then it go, and then to charity as well too. So there's the charity component in there. So when you break that down, it's basically like $30,000 a player and then with the charity aspect and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, uh, this will give you a good idea, uh, even though it's just one game, but it'll give you a good idea of who the better team is and probably a peak to what's going to come here at the end of September. Without question, right now, you, you would pencil both these two teams. And I know Connecticut's still there in the East, but from what I've seen in the way New York, as you said, they're gelling. When Inescu is dropping threes the way she does, 
how do you defend that team? Because you, you got Brianna Stewart and, and you got an SQ. It just creates matchup nightmares for teams. Mm-hmm. No, she's phenomenal. And she is a player that has really grown. And again, if you haven't seen her play, you got to see her. I mean, she reminds me of Asia in the fact that they play different positions, but I'm talking about the game preparation, the maturity level, how she's continued to get better and better. She's, you know, year three. Uh, you know, now you look at Asia in year number six. It's just uh, amazing. I think UNESCO is, you know, going to be the future of this league. And it helps that she's playing in New York. She's playing with a, a, a very good team. They didn't have really a very good team until this year, but we'll see if New York continues. They're going to keep Stewart there for a while. They can keep John Quell Jones there for a while. So yeah, it's, it's, it's intriguing because each team has four all stars on their part of their starting unit. So it's, uh, it's going to be a great matchup. And then, like you said, then the regular season meeting that was already on the calendar is Thursday night. So you get a back to back with both. And I know a lot of people are probably saying, okay, well, you know, the winner will probably have a letdown on Thursday. Makes a lot of sense. But I can tell you that both of these teams are thinking like this is like a one-game WNBA final, which it is, I mean, with the Commissioner's Cup. No question. I mean, they're going to bring everything for the Tuesday game, you know, the added bonus of, of the money there, which, again, you know, when you think about athletes, and it's a shame as far as the WNBA goes, we joke about it. Thirty thousand to an NBA player. That's you know that's a night at any one of the Las Vegas <laughs> clubs mm-hmm. uh, table and bottle service for these guys. <laughs> for the WNBA, that is you know for most people over ten percent of their uh, their wages for their the salary. Season. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and again, that is unfortunate. But if you look at the glass half full, it's better now than it ever has been. And, uh, again, you know, where, sure, I mean, the Supermax contracts are, you know, a little over $240,000. Um, a lot of these players are now making endorsements and, you know, several of the aces are doing that, which is great. And it will continue to get better and better and better. But unfortunately, you know, majority of these teams is about all these teams are not making money. And, and that is what is, um, kind of stopping the expansion process with this team because it's it's hard to get somebody to to buy into a team like Mark Davis he bought into it for the love of women's sports and women's basketball and he kind of wanted to be the guy that says listen um I'm willing to invest I believe in the long-term future here hopefully we cannot you know we don't lose too much money and then eventually we can break even and we can you know make money and the aces are doing it the right way even though Mark Davis has, you know, added uh, a lot of budget, you know, to this organization, they've expanded the front office. I mean, you know, you're playing in, in in a casino arena, but they are getting some of that money back. And again, they had close to nine thousand again last night. You know, ninety one hundred on Friday night. Uh, tomorrow night will be a sellout with, you know, probably you'll you get the final numbers of maybe ten thousand one hundred, ten thousand three hundred, ten three is the sell out the way it is. But um yeah, it's it, it's great. But from a product standpoint, I think you agree with this Marco because you 
not disparaging you, but you weren't watching the league for all of these years. But I think guys like you and other people who just started going to games the last couple seasons are just going like, wow, the product is good. And I had a conversation with someone earlier today and they go, I'm not just saying this. I really believe this is a better product than what we see at the NBA level as far as um, attention to detail, playing defense, uh, ball movement, uh, system-wise. And I think that's a fair argument. I think it's a fair representation because any WNBA game, you you get all of that, and you don't get that night in and night out at the NBA level. Well. I can only speak for what I see with the aces on, you know, on an every night basis. This team doesn't take days off. That's something you can say with every single team in the NBA. There's nights that you just, you look and, and they're mailing it in. It's a longer season. We understand that, but you know, the leagues come a long way, you know, and you mentioned everything that Mark Davis has done, including that training facility. I mean, you, I got to see it with you when we did a remote there. Unbelievable. Mm -hmm. You know, so yeah, it's first rate. And I know we always talk about conspiracy theory. Well, it won't be because they are the two best teams, but you know, the league wants nothing better (laughs) than a New York Vegas final because that's the best possible combination for TV. Now, some people might say LA, New York, but right now, the free, you know, the face of the NBA is Asia Wilson, mm-hmm. you know, in my opinion right now. And they're such a dominating team. That's what you want to see. And they're on a direct, uh, you know, collision course to meet in the, you know, the championship. And the thing about it is the only thing that can kind of upset that would be the Connecticut Sun, but they've tapered off a little bit. And that would be a rematch from last year. And again, they um, have had some injuries, and one of their best players, John Quell Jones, is now playing for the New York Liberty. So in all intents and purposes, it really does look like that because I don't think that you know if Connecticut did face, say, New York in a semifinal, that the way things are played right now, I don't think that Connecticut could beat them in in a two out of three game series or a three out of five game series. I, I, I don't see that happening. So I think that we are going to be on that collision course with these two teams. And I'm think you know, I'll say this, even though the aces got beat down in that game last Sunday in Brooklyn, that was actually probably the best thing oh. for, for the league. It was probably maybe even a good thing for the aces to be able to taste that. I'm sure it was embarrassing as humiliating, but it was uncharacteristic too. And, but now you've got two games against these two teams one was dominated by the Aces on their home floor. One was dominated by the Liberty on their home floor. Now you're having the Commissioner's Cup final for a half a million dollars, and that's going to go a long way. And then you're going to get two more meetings with these two teams. Very easily. So they could go five, meet five times they could meet, and it could be 3-2 in favor of one or the other, and that just whets the appetite more. And like to your point, more national media hype between these two teams and can you imagine what those ratings will be if it happens at the end of September for that WNBA final and say if it does go five games that would be the best thing for the league so you're right there really can't consp- you can't really have a conspiracy that it's going to happen because the way it looks right now I mean they, those are the two best teams right. and it should unfold that way and um the Aces will have a lot to say on on what happens and how they handle this New York Liberty team starting tomorrow night. You were traveling back last Monday from that 
uh, beat down on Sunday. And when I did the show with Chris Wynn, first thing I said to him is that is probably the best thing that could happen to the aces. And my uh, comparison to it was go back like to when you get to March Madness. You you hate to see that team that went through their conference schedule undefeated and then roll into the conference tournament. You want them to lose somewhere along the line. You, you, everybody wants to keep winning, but as long as you have that long winning streak, it just seems like there's more weight on your shoulders. Get that dose of reality. Let somebody slap you in the face, and they did slap them in the face. I mean, you got their attention, and as you said, it was a beatdown both on the scoreboard and actually on the court. That game was one of the most physical games I seen the Aces have to play this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, they took it to them. Asia got the elbow, and there were a lot of you know hard fouls in that game. You know, it just adds to the you know the storyline if the two teams seem not to like one another. Right, <laughs> that, that, that is true. Yeah. Uh, speaking of uh, Asia Wilson, we'll play some audio a little bit uh, later on from last night's uh, post game show, and then we'll also uh, give you the Becky Hammond. Uh, interview as well, talking specifically about the Hall of Fame. So we got that coming up uh, on the show here today. But Asia hit a milestone last night where she scored her three thousand one five hundred and seventy fourth point last night, and that put her second all time in the Las Vegas Aces slash San Antonio Silver Stars slash Utah Stars. Um, you know, record books, right? And guess who she passed? Number two, Becky, Becky Hammond. Hammond. She pa- she passed Becky Hammond, and so that was kind of a cool moment. And then you know, Becky was just like, "Hey, uh, that's what records are made for. You know, to be broken." And she says, "You know what? If you know, I uh, I hope all my players, you know, can can break you know my record or whatever." And she goes, "And I'll be." at their induction ceremony in Springfield, Mass., to support them. And she was just so cool about it. It was like, you know, where some guys and women, they kind of hang on to those records, and they think, well, that's part of my legacy. I don't like it broken. But how cool is it? Here it is. She breaks her coach's record. How close is number one? 4,300. So it's possible. Yeah. it's. Uh, and here's the thing with Asia. She... Is the number one pick in of this of this rendition of this franchise, right? Twenty eighteen of Las Vegas. Yeah, she has no intention of going anywhere. She realizes, and she's talked about it so many times here, that it's my responsibility. This team is in this franchise invested in me as their number one overall pick. You know, coming to Las Vegas doesn't take that lightly. So, I think eventually she sticks here and she breaks that here. And if we do the math. Numchuk's horrible at math. She math, math. But uh, if if you get thirty five hundred points in the middle of year six, and now you need another eight hundred points, yeah. How long you got to be here to do that? It's not going to be that long for it. Two, two seasons. Yeah, two two and a half. Yeah, yeah. And she keeps putting up you know forty point games, <laughs> you know, and that's another story. So she had forty on Friday night. And that uh, equaled the franchise mark by KP. By KP. But the funny thing about that is, so KP hit for 40 on July 9th in Minneapolis. Whose record did she break? Asia Wilson, because Asia had 39. Oh. 
So Asia had 39, KP got 40. So there was like a little friendly, you know, join between those two, right? And then here Asia Friday gets 40 to tie KP. And then you get to see them again. And we talk about that. And we'll play that interview for you too. Becky pulled her out after she got the 40th point. She kept her late in the fourth quarter until she got the 40th. And then she pulled her, pulled her out. There was like a minute, maybe minute 20 left. She pulled her out. Yeah. She could have, she would have got two more possessions. She would have had a, a shot to break KP's record. Did yeah. she want to keep them tied? I don't, you know, because the way that unfolded, it was really kind of natural the way it happened. It wasn't like, okay, boom, pull out. You know, she had subs coming in. And, uh, again, I don't think that that factored into it. But, uh, as a coach, you got to love that though. Like, okay, well, you, we got both of them right yeah. here. And again, you can't control what's going to happen in the future, but very easily, I mean, KP could turn around, you know, tomorrow or the next night and, and get it. Heck, Chelsea Gray could get it. Jackie Young could get it. It I'm, could be one of any four that I'm could get say, it. Jackie Young would be the next one to do it. Yeah. Jackie Young, I think, has the purest shot on a team. <laughs> I, I, and, and this is a team loaded with shooters. It's funny you say that because I'm, I'm chuckling because Jackie Young had the ugliest shot. On this team, her first, you know, three years, and it was like, oh my goodness, you know, just work on that shot, work on that shot, and credit to her the last two off seasons, she has worked on the shot, and it does, it, it, it's still not as pure as, as Plums, I don't think, or maybe Alicia Clark's, but where it was to where it is now is phenomenal. And if you watch Jackie closely, she does revert back to the line drive. They go and in. She too, ends up and I flat. don't know how. I know, right? But when we talked about the end of that, the Dallas game, how'd that go in? Yeah. But when she gets a little fatigued and tired, you kind of see the flatness come back. Where you know, I'm not saying it doesn't happen with other players as well too. But she's so focused, she's so determined. And again, uh, Plum and Gray have rubbed off on Jackie because at the end of practice, like, okay, practice over at one o'clock. No, they're gonna keep shooting those three. Just keep shooting until they turn off the light and say, okay, time to go home now. Okay. You got some media obligations. Forget that. We're shooting, you know, but those three, it's just amazing. It all started with Plum. And then when Gray joined the team, she's a workaholic and that's where Jackie just fell in the line. Pretty cool. Can you imagine having four 40 point players? Yeah. That'd be, it's insane. It, it could happen. It could happen. It could happen. Cause I mean, Gray and, and Young already have over 30. Yeah. So. And again, for those that are saying, well, you talk a lot of WNBA, you're talking a lot about ACES. Well, we should, because this is history and this is Las Vegas and this is your home team. And they are the hottest ticket in town right now. When you talk about the summer and you talk about the fall, they're the hottest ticket, plain and simple. And they should be and embrace that, relish it. And like so many of the people that maybe weren't familiar, once now they're 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 getting hooked, and they say, "Wow, what a product!" And, and it is, it's fantastic. So they bear the the talk. And kudos to the other media people out there, especially on the news side, the television side, who are covering this. The RJ has done a fantastic job of covering this, from um, Sam Gordon to Andy Yamashita and, and others. That just, I mean. Front page, you're seeing Asia Wilson breaking 40 points, you know, franchise mark, you see, you know, commissioner's cup, all that stuff. So yeah, uh, if you're not following this, then you're missing something and it, it, it bears covering big time. 
And it's great that they have center stage right now. Yes. There's, there's, you know, they're going to, when they get to the playoffs, it's a shame. They'll be going up against the NFL and college football when they're in their playoff time. Uh, but they get it in before hockey. Cause let's face it. This is a hockey town. Never thought that you would be saying that mm-hmm. a few years ago, but the fact that the love that the Knights have generated from day one and now having the cup this year is going to be just insane sure. for, for the Golden Knights. Right. Like we saw with, you know, the Aces mm-hmm. in their, you know, championship, you know, the following year. And yeah. they're living up to it. So um, they're putting the pressure on the, the Knights to have to bring the same uh, intensity, get, <laughs> you know, stay on top of the charts, so to speak. Well, and then, you know, we're going to talk about the Raiders when we, when we come back here from the break. But, um, you know, the Raiders have a great um, – legacy so to speak with fan base but when you go to these games and i'll use yesterday as a perfect example all right there was predominantly red in that building yesterday even though there weren't sixty-five thousand people there but it just it's, it's kind of a shame and again we are still at that where it is a visiting ticket visiting team's ticket right now and that's not to disparage the raiders but that's the fact and when you go to a regular season game, especially if the team is not winning, okay, they're not vying for a title or the division lead, it will continue to be like that. So that may be a hot ticket, you know, come September, October, November, December, granted, but I want to see nothing but silver and black at Allegiant Stadium. We haven't seen it yet. And now what we're going on year number three. Right, because 2020 fans weren't allowed in the building. So 2021, 2022 was that way. 2023, your first preseason game. This should be your home, your hometown team, your your fans in that building. And again, everyone has a lot of high hope at the beginning of the season. Nothing but red and white in there yesterday, and I'm not exaggerating. I no, mean, and it's going to stay that way. I mean, look at year one of the Golden Knights. Every time you went to a hockey game, it was almost a 50-50 split because. It's a transient town. There's a lot of people that live here from, you know, somewhere else. They're going to go watch their team when they're in town. And then people that want to schedule a vacation, a road trip with the game. We say it all the time. What better way to do it? You can get like three vacations in one weekend trip going to a Vegas Raider game. Mm -hmm. Show, dinner. Yeah. Food. Yeah. Game. Yeah. Yeah. And it it was was that way but it, it's it just hasn't been as prevalent noticeably with the the, the as the um raiders the raiders you really notice it and maybe because football is more of a broader sport and everybody kind of has their own team but even you go back to opening night you know with the um golden knights I mean, it wasn't 50-50 you know on opening night i mean those fans were there those season ticket holders, they didn't sell their tickets. That night. They were there, and they were that way pretty much for the whole season. Now, granted, a weeknight game against Edmonton or Chicago or Boston, yeah, Penguins, yeah, Penguins, right? Yeah, You're sure. going to see that, you know. But every game, and granted, there's a lot less, you know, NFL games, you know, eight home games, nine home games, but every home game you're seeing a big fraction, and even a larger fraction when it's like Kansas City or. 
or somebody of that nature. So it's going to be that way till they till they start winning. You got to exactly, exactly. All right, we come back. We're going to talk about the Raiders. We'll talk about their game yesterday. Raiders defeated the 49ers. Uh, we got some thoughts on that. And again, you'll hear from Becky Hammond, Asia Wilson uh, next hour. So hang tight with all that. Marco D'Angelo in the house with me here on this. Manic or Magnificent Monday? Hey, everyone. This is Carnell, a.k.a. Golden Pipes, and I want to welcome you back to the T.C. Martin Show. Back at you here on a Monday. Numbchuck. What are we going to do about Numbchuck? What are we going to do about TC? I don't know, man. Uh, need to get TC some different uh, headphones. No, the headphones are good. It's just the uh, the jacks. Okay. Yeah? Who knows? That was great. <laughs> Marco D'Angelo in the house here. Let's talk some, some preseason football. Raiders and the Niners yesterday. All Raiders. If we're keeping score. And... Somewhere, 34-7 yesterday. Uh, no Jimmy Garoppolo, no Brian Hoyer, no Hunter Renfro, no Max Crosby, and many other starters. But it did not matter because the 49ers weren't putting out Brock Purdy, no Christian McCaffrey, no Debo Samuel, no Boza, no nobody. And it really looked like it was like a free-for-all out there as far as players and you know, looking at your roster sheets, okay, now who is that? Which guy is that? But uh, hey, it was a great three days for the Raiders because they got a chance to go up against the San Francisco 49ers in uh, joint practices on Thursday and Friday, walk through Saturday, and then the game yesterday. And the Raiders won every day, uh, especially in Friday's scrimmage. And we talked about that on the show on Friday at the Westgate, is that Niner quarterbacks threw six interceptions. Two by Purdy, two by Lance, two by Darnold. And uh, yesterday, Trey Lance got the start for the 49ers, was downright abysmal. Sam Darnold actually looked pretty good. But really, the guy who stole the show yesterday was Aiden O'Connell, the rookie from Purdue, played three quarters of the game yesterday, 15 for 18, 141 yards, one touchdown, a passer rating of 117.8. Chase Garbers uh, from Cal, he, in his second year, he came into mop-up duty in the fourth quarter. But uh, O'Connell looked fantastic. Now, granted, it was against Niner backups. I understand that. But when you look at his timing, his throws, his release, and the command of the offense... He looked like he'd been in this league for three or four years. I will say it. I was one of those guys that I saw O'Connell play in Purdue. It wasn't crazy about him. And I thought, I don't see how this guy can, you know, make a roster. But what he did yesterday was very, very impressive. And I'll give him credit. And he, uh, acted like a veteran quarterback leading the charge for the Raiders. He did look good. And like we have to pump the brakes. It is preseason. The 49ers defense was just a shell of what you'll see when the regular season starts. And you talk about Trey Lance. If you're a 49er fan, you you really can't feel 
real comfortable about your situation. You don't know how Purdy's going to be from the elbow. Uh, if that's going to be a hundred percent, you're keep waiting for the other shoe to fall on Purdy because, you know, we all were in disbelief of what he was able to do last year. Trey Lance at times yesterday looked absolutely abysmal. He looked like a, a complete rookie um, when he was in the pocket holding the ball too long. But he did end up the day 10 of 15, uh, 100, or excuse me, that was uh, O'Connell's line. Right. Uh, Lance was 10 of 15 also for 112 yards, one TD pass. So he, he did get, uh, you know, one nice drive th- together in that game. But I'm not sold if I'm 49ers. I'm still, that's going to be my concern is. Purdy, what we're going to do, we'll see him in week two. Um, that'll be the the dress rehearsal for most of the teams, which used to be week three was the dress rehearsal uh, back under the old format. But as far as the, the Raiders go, we saw it last year with the Raiders. They seem to put a little more of an emphasis on the preseason games. They had success last year, obviously had success Sunday. But again, we saw what as good as they looked in preseason last year, it didn't translate to, you know, the regular season. So don't get too excited. But there were definitely some things to look at. Biggest takeaway for me, the defense um, obviously looked much better than it was last year. But again, you weren't getting the 49ers full offense. Yeah, and, and both teams were in that exact same predicament, not facing um, the starters. But Trey Lance... Those numbers that you just described, Marco, uh, I'm blown away. I was there and I watched the game. And it just goes to show you how numbers really mean nothing. Because he was awful. Um, Misreads, under pressure. The only time he looked good was when he had to utilize his feet. Okay, And that touchdown drive that you said that he led them to, uh, that was in a short field. When the Raiders went for it on, on fourth down at midfield, and that's how the Niners got their lone t- touchdown. They had a short field, and you could just see what field position does for a guy like that. Because when he was backed up inside his own ten or own twenty yard line, he he was miserable. He just you know he was just nervous and made the wrong reads. Um, it was just terrible. But when you have you know, half of a field to go, and all of a sudden, oh, now look at this kid. He's playing with, with confidence. But it, it was it was not pretty. And you talk about numbers. The Raiders won 34-7 to yesterday. Do you know how many yards the Raiders had? And without looking it up, just it's 34-7. to They went up and down the field. How many yards do you think they had yesterday? You would think that they had, you know, 400-plus. Right, or even 350 or something like that, right? They had 266 total yards. That was it. And they had the ball for majority of the game. 266. They had 146 passing and 120 rushing. It just goes to show you that I, I don't know. It just goes to show me that, okay, this team was playing against a team that was really, you know, kind of ill equipped. And I'll give them credit. They won the game, even though it really doesn't even matter. It's, how you looked, how you played the game, what did you get out of the game? And if you're Josh McDaniels, you've got to say, wow, I've got a backup quarterback that uh, maybe I'm thinking about, maybe I don't need Brian Hoyer. Maybe O'Connell can be the future of this team after this. So that's a bright spot. Got Zamir White. He got the most of the carries filling in for Josh Jacobs. Even though Zamir White, 
looked good. He only had 43 yards on 13 carries. You do the math there, it's under three yards a carry. Um, Sincere McCormick had two touchdowns, the backup roll, three yards a carry, nine carries for 27 yards. So neither one of these running backs against a lot of second, third, and fourth stringers, you know, had any real burst in any big gains, you know, for the most part. Now that's not to squash what the Raiders did because I think that they, they looked more efficient than the Niners. The Niners were jumping off sides at false start penalties, committed some stupid penalties. And to me, if you look at all three days where Jimmy G had reps and Hoyer had reps and, and Max Crosby and the defense had reps in those uh, joint practices, the Raiders were better than the 49ers every day. Again, it's preseason and what are, you know, what is the full agenda? Shanahan doesn't need to win in the preseason. Uh, he just wants to look at players and get, you know, get the guys minimal amount of work, but get them work and not get people hurt. The Raiders, this is a big year for Josh Daniels. Even though it's only his second year, I think this is a lot of pressure on him to make a step forward from, la- from last year. Uh, cause, it was ugly at the end in, you know, the way things deteriorated with Derek Carr, them missing the playoffs, uh, when expectations were a lot higher. All that winning in preseason does is going to fuel that. Now we expect that to continue in a regular season. Defense was sharp yesterday too. Four sacks and they were all in the first half. And that bears saying because again, you know, the first half, even though you don't have your top tier guys out there, but you got guys out there that are, you know, going to be on your roster for the most part. Uh, they also had an interception. They had a fumble recovery and they held the 49ers to uh, two for 10 on third down, 0 for two on fourth down. So this team did a lot of things and it looked like they were a cohesive unit. And that's what I was looking at yesterday. They were cohesive. The Niners looked like they were a mess. And I really thought, like from a coaching perspective, okay, Kyle Shanahan, they got beaten down in those joint practices on Thursday, Friday, when you had your number ones out there. So you're three quarterbacks, and they're all supposed to be vying for you know two spots here, and any one of those three going into the regular season could be your number one guy because they've all been number one guys in their career with different teams. Well, Lance, you know, there, but they anointed Lance the moment he got there. And then they got, you know, Garoppolo and then here comes Mr. Irrelevant, you know, comes in and gets the job. So when you have six interceptions in like ones against ones, that's alarming. So I was thinking, you know what? Shanahan's going to rip these guys up a little bit and he's going to say, listen, okay, we got a game situation on Sunday here. Let's come out here from the get go and let's establish ourselves. Let's get in a rhythm. Let's not turn the ball over. Let's look like a championship football team. But you know what they did? They looked like they did in that six interception, you know, fiasco two days earlier. They were, again, penalty after penalty. They just looked bad. So from a coaching standpoint, okay, yeah, I know you're going to get Kittle and you're going to get, you know, all these other, you know, McCaffrey, all these guys back there, but you still got some question marks at quarterback. Like you said, you know, Brock Purdy goes from Mr. Irrelevant to the number one guy. Now he's not even playing because he's got a little bit of an injury. So let's let these other guys play. It would not surprise me. I'll say this right now. It will not surprise me 
if Sam Darnold is the starting quarterback of this team at some point during the season, whether that's because Purdy blows up or because Purdy is injured or not getting the job done. But Darnold looked a heck of a lot better than Lance yesterday. And I could see this story kind of blooming because Purdy is not a slam dunk uh, number one guy for the long term of this organization. This is going to be a tough spot that they're going to be in. Do If Purdy goes out in, let's say, the first month, they're sitting at two and two, and he has a couple bad games, Mm -hmm. what are you going to do? Is it going to be Trey Lance, who hasn't shown you really anything yet? The two games he played last year before he got hurt, he was unimpressive in in, in both games. The Chicago game was horrendous. Uh, Then you got Sam Darnold. What what's he going to do? Or are we going to get that? And I know we talked about this last week. You were never a fan of his when he was at USC. I, you know, I thought he was perfect, but that was the system too. Right. You know, he had a system that was quarterback friendly. Uh, he's got the, you know, the veteran leadership on the team. If they do go down, you know, he's not Jimmy G, but how far behind Jimmy G really is he? Right. And here's the thing too. You've got, Two number three picks, overall picks in the draft in Lance and Darnold in different years, right? Back-to-back years. And now one of those guys, more than likely, is going to get cut. They're going to get cut. And so I don't see them keeping three quarterbacks, okay? Purdy, by default, for what he did last year, and maybe he won't even hit the the field in these next two preseason games. But these two guys are going to have to battle it out and one guy is probably going to be gone. I mean, they can't keep all three of these guys, right? Even though really on paper, all three look pretty even. But I, it, it's it's funny how Mr. Irrelevant, the last guy picked in the draft, is the starter. And then they got two number three overall picks. And one of these guys is going to be gone somewhere else. And if it is Trey, that's going to be, you know... That's going to go on the GM's uh, resume. Eating a lot of money there. Yeah. Yeah. That's, but do you keep him just because of that? Because if we, you know, and these have to be auditions. Okay. And it's, it's Darnold one, Lance nothing after yesterday. Okay. So then let's look at week two and then week three. But I mean, haven't we seen enough? Haven't the 49ers seen enough of Trey Lance to say yuck enough? You would think so. We have seen enough. But it's only been how many games? Okay. We haven't seen but him. But he's been if, there for three years. But he wasn't getting on the field. Yeah. You know. Well, he, he did in the beginning. Yeah. And he played played his way out. And then he got injured. But I mean, you see enough of him in practice. You see enough of him in OTAs. I mean, you you know what you got with this guy. It's not like all of a sudden he's gonna get better. Given what happened to them last year, I don't think it's a stretch for them not to have three quarterbacks on a roster. <laughs> Especially you don't have a superstar quarterback. You usually have that third guy who is your, on the practice squad. But what I would think the 49ers would do, you keep Purdy, you keep one of the two, Lance or Darnold, okay? And then you bring up a young guy just to be you know, that emergency type of guy. I can't see Darnold or Lance being the emergency guy for that kind of salary. Yeah, I didn't see what uh, Darnold signed for. with. Well, I mean, again, it's it's it's... Not peanuts, but I mean, the guy's the number three overall pick, so he's you know, he's still under that rookie contract, but we know his signing bonus was good. 
I don't know. All right, we'll continue to talk a little bit more. We'll talk about betting the preseason as well, too, how that went in week number one. And then uh, we got a full week of games here in week number two where you may see some more starters. But we'll talk some more Raiders as well. Plus, more aces you hear from Becky Hammond and Asia Wilson after the victory uh, last night and Becky Hammond's induction into the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame. And guess what? Major League Baseball, down the stretch we come. We got that to talk about with Marco as well, too. On this Monday, TC Martin Show, glad to have you with us. from the doctor, T.C. Martin. Hey, it was BYOG, bring your own guts. And they brought some guts and some heart, and they never quit. The doctor is now in. Cannot wait for some college football, huh? Dabo Sweeney, that team is going to be better this year. I'm looking forward to that. The uh, preseason rankings come out. Georgia, number one again. Shocker there. Alabama? Like, number four? What? Oh, yeah. Yeah. What is that? We'll be talking, of course, a lot of college football. And, of course, our Friday shows at the Westgate inside the world-famous Superbook. Yes, best bet segment and a whole lot more coming your way each and every Friday at the world-famous Superbook. And reminding you to get signed up for the Super Contest. You got to love it. $1,000 entry fee, five NFL games each and every week. And 12 chances to win 11 in-season contests and, of course, the grand prize winner as well. And, of course, then you have the $5,000 entry, the winner-take-all, or as like John Murray told us on uh, Friday, the big boys, the big sharp guys, winner-take-all, five grand entry feat with that. Marco D'Angelo, he's got all kinds of disposable income. How many entries are you going to put in the five grand one? <laughs> On the Super Contest Gold? I have not done the Super Contest Gold. I like to have, you know, like a poker tournament. You get you pay X number of mm-hmm. spots, you know, because you want to get in there. You want to win it. It's nice to take the top money. But, you know, I have no problem with the cash, which I did get a, the first quarter last year. Right. Uh, me and a group of guys, there was, there was five of us winning. So you had to split it. We had to split it, but it's still it's still fun. You know, we did it, a bunch of the guys from Wager Talk. Okay, so hold on. So you got five guys splitting like one entry, or how does that work? We did one entry, and each guy picks one game that you, you submit. How difficult is that? Because uh, I've got I've got a couple guys that want to split entries with me this year. I've never split an entry, but I'm giving it some thought. It works well for the most part. There's a couple times where you have your pick that you you want to use and somebody beat you to the punch now you're scrambling for a second pick a lot of times that's what makes that's why doing a partnership because i can tell you any any of the entries i've had by myself 
the I can get three picks out the window, no problem. It's finding that fourth and fifth pick some weeks is just, you know, I know there's a winner and loser in every game, but some of them are literally coin flips, you know, and I don't really like anything. So that's when it's nice when you got five different guys that have five different opinions, maybe five different style, different styles of handicap. Yes, too. So you get a little, you know, you're getting them picking their best game available. Have you ever had any debates where it turned ugly where, you know, maybe you had a conviction and again, it's like, Everyone pretty much has to have an equal say if they're chipping in for an entry. Um, some of our group texts can be pretty comical. See, whenever you know we're scram, when somebody has to change right. one of their picks and they're you know they're going to find a second one and they're saying, "Well, I'm thinking mm-hmm. about this," then you'll get guys will chime in. You know, so, so let me ask you: Is it, in all honesty, here, is it the cost factor? Is it a money factor to? To have partners like that, just because you feel like okay, instead of investing a thousand, I'm only going to invest two hundred. No, because I'm still investing in other stuff. I'm still getting right. my okay. you know my own you know ticket. But it's nice to to have it with a group of guys. In all of the guys, but me were other guys outside of Vegas. You know, so you know they this way they don't you know they're a piece of it. They don't have to worry about it. You know, the guy in Vegas signs up or whatever. Yeah, they don't have yeah. to worry about a proxy and yeah. all that kind of yeah. stuff, right? All right. So let's say you're going to go have some chips and salsa like you normally do a couple times a week. And uh, you you take Teddy KGB and you just you, you're coming home with uh, a lot of money. All right. Do you say, OK, I'm giving the Super Contest gold a shot and I'm in. <laughs> uh, it, Would it you may- do it? It may happen. I don't like winner take alls. Okay. I, I like I like at least pay three spots. Do that. I know. You know. And that's one of the reasons a few years ago, um, the World Series of Poker changed the way they did the prize structure. It used to be 10% of the field got paid. Now they're paying almost 15%. And I think that's good for the sport because it's recycling the money. Uh, guys that, you know, don't win, but they're, they're getting min cashes. They're getting their, what they paid to be in that particular tournament and some money on top of that, that lets them buy into the next tournament and it has a residual effect. And I think that would be the same way, like with the super contest and what they tried to do with having the 11 in, in season sub contest creates that. So people have more than one chance because before in the old days of it, if you had a, a bad two weeks to start the season, you had no shot. I don't care how hot you got. No, you're right. You had no no shot at getting to the money. Yeah, yeah. Now you still do. It's true, and I think that is what's so cool of what the Superbook and the Westgate do. You know, having those in season contests because if you get a say three or four week run where you get hot, you know, like say you start off slow or the, you know you just mm. you know you go on a run, you go on a run. I mean, then you can get rewarded, and you were a perfect example, you know, of that. But I'm with you. It's not so much, okay, the big entry fee. It's the winner take all because, I mean, you're battling, you know, what, seven to 18 weeks of this with the contest. And let's say that, you know, you're hitting 64%. You're feeling really good about yourself and you lose by like a game or two and you get nothing. You get nothing. I agree with you. And I'm sure we say to Jay Cornegay, or to John Murray say, hey, come on, you know, you guys got to go like top three, top four, do that. They go, nope, because that's the hook. It's like we they, want this winner take all 
uh, sort of thing. So Social media wants to see somebody getting that big cardboard check for, you know, the big money. And that's why the super contest for a lot of years didn't expand the payouts to where they are now because they wanted top, they wanted a top heavy. They wanted to have that million, the first million dollar right. football winner in the contest. And yeah, that was a great driving force at that time. But because now there are other contests around town in a competition, competition's good for everybody. L- let's face it. Yeah. And who benefits the most out of that is the customer. And that's why we've got all the contests that we have now. And they are player more player friendly because hey if the joneses are doing it the smiths gotta do it you know gotta do it too and everybody you know is trying to up their game because you're fighting for the same market i didn't know the jones had a grocery store (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) that's pretty good so how do you feel about the survivor contest do you do those I've done a survivor contest once. I'm not a fan of it. And you're going to laugh when I tell you that because I cannot wrap my ra- my head around picking just the winners. Everything I do is point spread. Okay. It's, you know, it, it's, it's a different thing. Yeah. And then, and it's also game theory because you don't want to just every week take the biggest favorite on the board that you haven't used yet because you have to be thinking down the road for, Oh, what am I going to do if I get past the first 12? It's a lot of work, a lot of handicapping down the road. I mean, you got to have the the foresight here. And the way that, you know, the particular contest that you're talking about works, they always have Thanksgiving Day is a, is one competition. Mm -hmm. So you have those six teams that play on Thanksgiving Day. You have to save a play out of those six teams so you don't come to that point of the contest and have nobody you know and have already used all those teams and then you're screwed or you're stuck with a team that you didn't want to play so yeah you've got to look at that look where this you know the subset week is where you know games are of their own like that day and you got to plan that day first before you even start your season because you got to make sure you have the one of the a couple of those six bullets alive when if you get to that point Contests. Mm, so good. And this time of year, everyone is just all hyped up about that. And like you said, after a couple of weeks, sometimes you get, oh boy. <laughs> it, it's fun conversation. You know, the show, you know, I do, as you know, we do a ton of shows and we do stuff at Wager yeah. Talk. We did, you know, every week I would give my, you know, my mock survivor, you know, pick. So I'm doing it. You know, it's just, I like point spreads, man. That's the great equalizer. But how many dogs do you normally play? Because if you like point spreads, that means that you're a dog player for the most part. I try to look. I have a rule. You know, I'm going to look at the dog first. I have to find concrete evidence to be laying points. Because the old adage is, and you know, and I'm not the guy that invented this. The first person I heard say it uh, was Mark Lawrence. Um, you know, he's been in the industry forever. Great guy. And he said, when you bet an underdog, three things can happen. Two of the three are good. You either can win outright, you can lose and cover, and then the third option is you get blown out. But every time I bet an underdog, I got two of those three options in play. You bet favorites, you don't have all those options. And that's why you think that uh, the survivor contests are 
so favorable to a lot of people because, as we know, most people in betting public, they love betting the favorites. And hey, and overs. I don't have to lay a touchdown. <laughs> I don't have to lay 10. You know, I just, you know, you know, pick that winner, you know, you know, to advance. I think that's the only problem that I have with the survivor. I think it's pretty ingenious. And I'm not sure who came up with that and how long the survivor contest has been going on because when I was back here, you know, going back to the early to mid nineties, I don't remember survivor contests, you know, taking place. Never in a public market like this. Right. But they've been. Underground I, stuff, I, yeah. yeah. Underground, yeah. they were as big as um, March Madness, you know, yeah. office pools. Yeah. You know, people were, you know, because it, it was easy. You you can only use one team, yeah. you know, one time per season, and whoever's the last man standing, you know, wins it. And it you know, and it's great. And there's some big ones across the country. Yeah. Underground, as we like to say. No, right. Yeah. And, uh, but again, I mean, they can be a big cash out for people. And again, I like... The idea, I think it's ingenious, but I guess for me, and you hit it earlier, I don't think I have that patience or the foresight or the time to like start, you know, looking at games in November and December and who you, you know, cause yeah, we, we take week one like, okay. Yeah, I like them. Okay, I, I, I can make it then, twelve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Take that, whatever it is. And then week two, week three. But then, go, oh my goodness, now I'm coming down to the last, you know, three weeks of the season, and oh, you know, I, I've got to use the Buccaneers and the Jets and the Bears. Oh no, you know. So yeah, there definitely is an art to it. I know two. It was two years ago. Um, a guy, you know, a wager talk. He was the proxy for one of his friends back home, um, and he had. They had 10 different survivor pools. They lost six of their 10 on the first week. It was two, maybe three years tops. Mm-hmm. Opening week, Jacksonville beat Indianapolis. And yeah. a lot of people went down right away. But I'm like, you got 10 entries and you you use six of them on mm-hmm. same, the, the same team. You know, and you didn't think you didn't expect them to lose because, you know, I think that might have been the last year Philip Rivers was at Indianapolis. And, you know, we know how that went. Right. But uh, shout out to uh, one of our loyal listeners two years ago, um, won uh, the Survivor uh, contest over at uh, Circa. And um, it was one he was one of three and they split a really nice prize. And it was a lot of fun sharing with him um you know dinner at berries and you we, know, we know parties. he was paying yeah he was paying yeah and so and i appreciate his generosity for inviting me out all that shout out to you slappy uh but then the next year came last year right and then he had like 12 entry fees and nine, nine out of 12 went bye-bye. I believe it was like the first two or three weeks. Yeah, last, we're gone. Last year, there was yeah, a lot of... Oh, I'm playing with house money. I'm playing with house money, this and that. And then... But yeah, that's how it can go. Because let's face it, you need a lot of luck you know, to, to win that as well, too. You need some luck. And I'll even say more than some luck. Mm-hmm. You need a good degree of luck uh, to go ahead... And, and, and cash out ticket over the course of 18 weeks. If you remember two years ago, it was in the month of November because I went back to Pittsburgh, uh, for my birthday with a group of, you know, friends, uh, you know, Kelly and JD, uh, Kelly in Vegas, I'm talking about. And she had the Steelers in her survivor pool that week. So she's mid November. You, you've gone through, you know, three quarters of the season 
And that's the game. We're eating dinner Saturday night when ESPN breaks the news, comes across the scroll on the bottom. Roethlisberger out with COVID. Mason Rudolph to start against the lowly Lions, and it ended up being a tie game. Detroit and Pittsburgh played to a tie. Yeah. A tie is not a win. Right. And bye-bye survivor. How was that dinner? Uh, wasn't wasn't happy that night when we got the news, but you still think, okay, you know, the injured player theory, they're going to rise to the occasion. And so, and the Steelers had every opportunity in the world to win that game in regulation and it couldn't. And then it went the overtime and the whole period went by. It started raining and it was just miserable. Mm -hmm. 2020 tie, not good. All right, get signed up uh, for the Super Contest at the Westgate of Las Vegas. You have till September 9th to get in that again. $1,000 entry fee. Hey, just follow Marco's lead, okay? Get four or five of your buddies. Get yeah. 10 of your buddies. And you guys sit there and you argue about, you know, every it week. It gives you something to in, talk about in, you, all season. But that sounds like it almost takes as much time in coming up with your weekly five selections as you would if you did a survivor. I mean, just by myself, I'm just, okay, I'm picking it. I I don't have to deal with anybody else. Yeah, I could see that with you. You don't like to deal with anybody else. <laughs> That's not true. My way or the highway. <laughs> no, I told you I'm I'm actually open to it because I've had a couple guys hit me up with it. I'm thinking about doing it like that, but uh, yeah, I just don't want to get into debates like that. You know. It's like okay. you have no problem getting into a debate with me on Fridays at the Westgate for food. I can't answer that. I can't. I can't answer that. <laughs> one, one last question on your buddy yeah. two years ago. When they got to the final week and yeah. there was three of them, was there any hedging involved? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. There, there, there was. And um, I remember the game that, that he picked. It was the Giants in Washington. And, uh, that, and you know, he, he picked the Giants and the Giants ended up winning that game. I believe that's what it was. And, um, I can't. I can't remember. Uh, and again, they no. There was like three guys that were left in that uh, that week. I think they all ended up winning, yeah. you know, in the final week or whatever. So, but yeah, I mean that that's 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 kind of tough too when you have multiple people that are tied in that last week, and then when you hedge off, what are you going to do? But yeah, there, there was there was hedging off. I remember that. Yeah, but. Um, it's tough, man. Like I said, it's it's a cool contest. It's a cool uh, cool concept. I really, you know, enjoy that. So who knows? Hey, we got till September 9th to go back and forth and make up mind with that. So who knows? All right. So um, NFL preseason. How'd you do over the weekend? D- did you partake? I played one game, and it was a game we talked about Friday um, at the Westgate with John Murray, and I, I didn't feel good that everybody and their brother was on the same side as me, but I was on the Steelers because let's face it, um, we talk about preseason. We're, we're talking about who's going to play and how long they're going to play and what the coach's philosophies are. And Tomlin said all week that all healthy bodies will play some in the preseason. And we know that the Steelers have three quarterbacks that have all started you know, you got the rookie coming back, Kenny Pickett, in the second year, and uh, you had Mitch Tabriski and uh, Mason Rudolph. As it did, when Pickett went out, the scoring continued because you had two guys that could move the ball against second and third units. And Mason Rudolph, once again, 
you know, he's great against those third string preseason defenses. I'll tell you what, if there's a Hall of Fame for preseason fourth quarter quarterbacks, yeah, put them on the list. But that's what you got to look for. The inner, the most interesting thing takeaway from me from the weekend with the preseason is, and there was a game we talked with John Murray at length. Everybody knows the Baltimore had won 23 straight preseason yep. games. They won their 24th game. And John said that during the week, that line ballooned up to f- six. Right. But he said after they got to six, they took a lot of sharp bets at six, five and a half, and five. And the money got there. Uh, so for the books, uh, I'm sure overall that, uh, you know, Baltimore not covering was a good result for the house. Had they lost the game outright, definitely would have been, you know, because I know a lot of people would have just put them on a money line parlay and just have to win the game, which they did barely. Yeah, they did 20 to 19. Uh, the Jets game, we talked about that, uh, with Scott Spritzer, uh, last week and, uh, that was an easy winner right there. 27 nothing, uh, with the Jets. The, um, the Bills is, is a game that, uh, I was looking at, but I, I, I did not play. And, um, uh, that line just did not look, something looked off in that line yeah. because Buffalo should never have been a four, four and a half point underdog. Right. You know, right. Right. And it's like, it's almost like, That's this is like, it looks, it looks too good to be true. I was kicking myself because I didn't play. Remember, I yeah. talked about it on Friday, and I said not really much for playing preseason, but man, that game just really you know stands out there. And then, of course, you had the Demar Hamlin, yeah, you know, feeling going on as well too. I mean, that was uh, that was good. But again, I just think okay, Buffalo's backups are better than the Colts' backups. Uh, you have all the drama and the circus atmosphere has been going on in Indianapolis. You know, you got a young coach. Uh, and again, he's really not taking a stand with the Jonathan Taylor situation. And now we hear that Jonathan Taylor, oh, now he's going to come back after being there and just hovering around with his long face. And then <laughs> they're saying, well, okay, now he's not here. Well, it's because he's rehabbing. No one believed the coach that, you know, that was exactly what was happening. And now we hear, oh, Taylor's back. And then I know one reporter said, oh, so his injury's better. He goes, he'll be back. We told you he'd be back. <laughs> so. Yeah, uh, that, that was one. And then again, too, you know, we talked about the, the Raiders and the 49ers, but for me, Marco, it is just too hard, uh, in, in, in pound your brain to handicap these preseason games. Even though if you know that starters are not going to play, it's backups against backups. I don't think anybody saw 34 seven coming from the Raiders. I mean, you see, and you saw where the money was, you know, Niners opened at three and up at four. And they were thinking, oh, conventional wisdom, okay. Purdy, Lance, Darnold, okay. Even if you get two of the three of those guys going to play, you know, the majority of the game, uh, they're vying for their their contract life here. And then what have Aiden O'Connell, Purdue, forget about it. And then, I mean, it was no contest. So for me, I just I'd rather just sit and wait for the opening week of the NFL season because. You know, for people that say, oh, preseason, you can make so much money. I heard all of that. And look what we heard uh, leading up to the Hall of Fame game. The exact same thing. Jets, 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 Jets. Jets rolling, you know, up 16-7. What happened? Boom. You know, fall apart in the second up. Backups. And there you go. So it's like, and you don't want to lose like that. Thinking like all about your handicapping. 
And you didn't throw it out the window. I don't know. It's tough. I don't play a lot. Uh, I spot, I have spot plays. If I end up with, you know, four to six plays for the entire preseason, that will be a lot. Mm-hmm. Shout out to uh, Derek Carr. He was impressive. Like, uh, kind of knew that he would be. And I'm going to say I think that the Saints are going to have a good year this year, and I think Carr is going to play well. I really do. Because anytime you get a guy that has an incentive to want to stick it to somebody or – um, like you said, a, a new, a fresh new start, nothing hanging over his head. He is far enough away from the Raiders in Las Vegas now. You know, he's in a different conference. Uh, he's going to be doing his own thing. And again, no one is second guessing him. No one's, you know, you know, judging him. And I can tell you, man, that deep breath of fresh air is going to go a long way. It would not surprise me if Carr has himself a fantastic season. I expect him to do so. And, you know, if they can keep the wide receivers healthy, he's going to have some, you know, he's going to have some targets. He hooked up with uh, Michael Thomas uh, in that preseason game for a nice catch. I like them. I, that division is wide open. I think the Saints are the team that can emerge out of that division because they do have a decent defense. Uh, there's not a lot of offense in that division. You look at the quarterbacks, you either got rookies or guys that are retreads, you know, including Derek Carr. But I think Derek Carr is a, you know, they didn't put him out on the garbage heap. I mean, this was just, I think, you know, the organization wanted to go a different way. Uh, I think Josh McDaniels wanted his own guy and, you know, Carr took the fall for it. Um, it wasn't his fault that the team blew as many leads as they did last year. Um, that's, you know, he can only do what he can do. And now, you know, he's going to have a decent running game, a, a way better defense than he ever had here with the Raiders. Six for eight, 70 yards, a touchdown, a pass rating of 140.6. I don't know if you got a chance to, to see him or just highlights or still shots, but Derek Carr was hitting the weights. I mean, he looks like a totally different guy in the upper body. Is like That just shows right there. It's like, okay, I'm committing myself big time here in the offseason. I mean, he looks totally different in the upper body. I mean, he, he's got like defined muscles. He almost looks like a boxer or a wrestler there. I mean, it's, it, it's, it's tremendous. So he said that, hey, he's on a mission this season. And, uh, as long as he doesn't, you know, can keep the mental mistakes down, watch out for Carr, watch out for the Saints. Two things I'll say. I, I noticed the same thing when I saw him. The other thing that I noticed, did you see the twinkle in his eye? I, I mean, like, of course, the, yes. the, 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 he yes. looked, Generally happy. Kidding the for the, store. You know, for the first time, uh, because, you know, I think, you know, yeah, there were times that he needed to be criticized, but I think he was more of the scapegoat that, you know, he doesn't play defense. <laughs> okay. And this team scored enough points to win ball games the majority of the time. The defense just couldn't stop anybody. So let's see what happens down there. It's a different league, new beginning. And as you say, you know, He's got something to prove. And I love, you know, I like taking teams whenever I use the phrase, this is a statement game. This is a statement year for Derek Carr. It is. All right. So have you looked at any of the preseason games coming up this week, week number two? So you got a little bit to judge off of, especially when you're looking at the quarterback situation. Guys that now have a start or some reps underneath their belt here. 
It's going to start on Thursday. Uh, again, the Browns getting another Thursday, you know, game like they did uh, a couple weeks ago with the Hall of Fame game. Uh, Browns and Eagles on Thursday. And then you got two games on Friday, the Panthers and the Giants, the Bengals and the Falcons. And then, uh, a slew of games on Saturday, one game Sunday, Saints, Chargers. And then now we start getting to our Monday night football routine, uh, Ravens and the Commanders. Yeah, I didn't break the card down yet. You would have to think that Cleveland playing their third game and this being the dress rehearsal week, that we should get a pretty good effort out of the Browns. I know that that's one of the games over the weekend that caught some buzz uh, was the Browns because people like to take the two teams that played in the, right. the Hall of Fame game because you know, the theory is, you know, everybody's been in camp practicing, but it's a different story actually playing a game and you know, get timing down better. So if you subscribe to that angle last week, you went one and one, you lost the juice. Uh, but I look for a better effort from them. And then uh, the game's, you know, over. Philadelphia is going to be overpriced in that game simply because they almost beat the team that never loses in the preseason mm. without the key people. Right. Okay. Right. So being dress rehearsal week, do you not think that Philadelphia is going to get some action this week? I think you sit back and wait and uh, take a look at Cleveland um, closer to game time. I think you're going to get the best number on taking the Browns. And Deshaun Watson got a lot of love uh, in that game. Actually looked pretty decent. Um, you know, in that contest uh, with the Browns. So I imagine he's going to get, you know, more snaps in this game as well, too. This preseason's important for him because he never got to get that foundation last year because he had to step away uh, for all those games with the suspension. Um, if you talk about a statement year, we said Derek Carr has one. Deshaun Watson needs to perform this year. Uh, you know, you can give him the asterisk for last year because of all the time missed and not being able to gel. And it's hard to, you know, come in in the midseason and, and just pick up the football and be on the same page as everybody else. But now he's had a full, you know, full training camp and we'll see what they can do. And But the Browns are always the Browns, TC. He got that right. I'll <laughs> stay away from the Brownies. I'll stay away from Deshaun Watson as well, too. Even though I've had some great massages over the last two weeks. Tremendous massages. <laughs> Patriots have made a signing today. Ezekiel Elliott. Got a... Oh, bro. I'm low-key faded, bro. Yeah, how's that going to work out with uh, Bill Belichick over there, huh? Bill Belichick has this propensity to take <laughs> all the guys, you know seasoned veterans that are on the backside of a career or somewhat of a problem child and he plugs them right into his system and for the most part it's worked every time the only one that really didn't work it did for a while but antonio brown there you know which has antonio brown worked anywhere forget it no yeah okay. yeah didn't, didn't, so he, didn't he, work he, with he, the raiders either yeah it didn't even get started with the Raiders, right. did it? <laughs> well, when he when he came down in there and Napa in the in the in the balloon, oh. you know, yeah, I think that 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 was a sign right there. Yeah, have you ever seen any worse feet in your life too? Coming off that balloon and what? You know, I mean, that was horrible. <laughs> Ezekiel Elliott, do you know what the Patriots are going to pay him? I'm going to say Take they, got, they got him for a song and a dance. Is it incentive driven? No, one year deal, six million. Which is not much. No, not you know, by for, for a running back. Yeah. But 
this goes to show you that I don't think a lot of teams really wanted Ezekiel Elliott. No. But remember, New England does use the running back. They, I mean, Tom Brady's year, you know, the Super Bowl years and everything, you always had a, a running back that could catch, catch the yeah. ball. When you're getting outplayed by Tony Pollard, and Pollard's a decent back, but that's it. Elliott, over the last two seasons, had no burst. He had nothing. I, I just, you know, I think when he, you, like, he liked his cheeseburgers, I think. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or his hot dogs, right? Right, Numbchuck? He liked his hot dogs. What, his glizzies? His glizzies. He liked his glizzies. Uh, you know what a glizzy is, Marco? I do not. Yeah, I just will leave it at that, I guess. Yeah. So, uh, and here's the thing he's not wearing number 21, he's wearing number 15. Ezekiel Elliott wearing number 15 with the Patriots. That's a quarterback number. I know. Well, it's anybody's number now because basically, you know, you, you see wide receivers are wearing 15. Which, uh, it's, NFL's all messed up with that. All right. We come back. Uh, we'll talk a little Major League Baseball, but we'll also hear from Becky Hammond All right, regarding her induction into the Hall of Fame, the wild weekend where the Aces win on Friday night. Becky Hammond gets in Mark Davis's private jet and goes to Springfield, Massachusetts to share the spotlight with uh, Dwayne Wade and Tony Parker, Dirk Nowitzki, and, of course, uh, her mentor, um, Greg Popovich. Uh, what a night that was. And then, of course, the Aces come back and get the victory uh, last night as well, too, against the Atlanta Dream. But uh, you'll hear from Becky Hamming talking about her Basketball Hall of Fame experience. Hi, this is Becky Hammond, head coach of the Las Vegas Aces, and you're listening to the T.C. Martin Show. Welcome back to the Michelob Ultra Arena as we get ready for tonight's game between the Aces and the Dream. And join me now, the head coach and the recent Naismith Basketball Hall of Famer, Becky Hammond. Back here with our whirlwind coast-to-coast trip. <laughs> How you doing, Coach? It's game day. It's game day. But first and foremost, congratulations again on the Hall of Fame induction. Uh, it was fantastic watching it from afar. Give us the details. What were your thoughts? I know that you had a whirlwind yesterday, but getting up there, giving the speech, what were your thoughts? Um, Just a little overwhelmed, probably. I mean, you get up there. You can rehearse it in your mind. You can rehearse your speech. You can do all the things. But when you get up there and you start looking around that room and see so many people that you either admired growing up, you looked up to, you watched, you studied, um, you game planned against (laughs) um, peers that you haven't seen for a long time. Um, Just a real, really a lot of meaningful people in the room for me last night. And um yeah, so you get up there and you're like, holy crap. <laughs> Here we go. Was there a person that maybe you met for the first time last night or maybe reconnected with that uh, really kind of resonated with you or left an impression with you last night? I saw a ton of people um, that I hadn't seen in a long time. Um, probably, you know, Richie Adubato, mm. you know, gave me my first shot. And, um, he was there and he was as proud as a peacock, uh, (laughs) walking around. And, um, you know, I had mentioned a a thank you, his name in my speech early and, you know, I saw him afterwards and he's like, you said my name, you said my name first. (laughs) I was like, I sure did. You gave me my first shot. (laughs) Yeah. 
But um, no, I mean, I would really have loved to rattle off a gazillion thank yous. Um, just didn't have the time. They just, they were like five to six minutes. And I think I kept it around 10 to 11. And I felt really good about that because I, I timed it for you. What was it? 16. Was it? Yeah. It was like 1540 something like, yeah, but you were between 15 oh. and a half and 16, it was, but it came across beautiful. I mean, you were a lot less than Dwayne Wade and some of the others. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, no, you're great. There was, I did have to take some pauses just to collect myself a couple of yeah. times. Um, and you know, at the end of the day, I think you just have to roll like with wherever you're going and how you feel in the moment because, um, trying to put in like 46 years of my life, which over half of those have been in an NBA or WNBA arena. So it's a lot. And just like I said in my speech, you know, it's not just the 25 years in a professional arena. It's been the buildup that I've been able to look back and be like, Oh my gosh, like the meaningful things. Like I needed that. I needed to learn how to be tough. I learned, I needed to learn how to keep up and, um, put one foot in front of the other and learn how to, um, you know, I love football because of a, you can't see their faces, right? It's such a gloryless sport at times because, you know, every great quarterback has a great line and nobody knows the lineman. They only know the quarterback or somebody like a defensive end, your try hard factor if you're really good, you get the quarterback, you know, 12 times, maybe 13 times. You're amazing. But you had to try your very hardest 600 times and you fall down and you get back up and you fall down and you get back up and you chase again and you chase again and you chase again. And it's just, um, you have all these things that you, you start thinking about. I was like, dang, a lot of things had to happen in order to get me to this spot and build things that were needed for the journey. I loved, and I think everyone loved the acronym using dream to break it down. Are you, have you always been an acronym type of a person with that, with your teams and your coaching and what, what led you to that decision? Um, I use, you know, I use an acronym basically cause it keeps me on, on topic yeah. and keeps me short and concise of like the points that I want to hit. So one, I just think it's an easier way to speak publicly do public speaking. Um, but also I think it's a tangible in, in a, in the scheme of a 45 minute speech, which I've written many of them. Um, you can get some of the things lost. Like you can really hit home on some key things. Um, when you kind of keep like less is more, you keep it short. I used a, the acronym last year, you know, with our team. And but it was funny cause they were harassing me this afternoon when we met up. <laughs> Oh no, here comes the acronym. I was like, y'all know I was going to do it. And plus I was like, it's never, I don't think it's ever been done in a, in a hall of fame speech. I could be wrong, but yeah. you know, wow. uh, I, got, I had to do it my way. I, yeah. I can't, I can't fake the funk. I just got to be I me. Love, there you go. Using my terminology there. Best moment of the day in the night for you. I mean, Tony is, you know, we're, we're We've had so many great moments. Um, to see him get his his moment was was really special to me. Seeing Pop get his moment um, was really special. And Pow, you know. Um, but I think for me, uh, you know, the hardest parts for me was getting through the parts of talking about my family, talking about my parents, my brother, my sister, and Pop. 
those were the hard, like if I could get through those three moments, I was like, I'll be good. And you know what? I did not. I could, <laughs> I cracked on all three of them. No. And, uh, talk about pop. I mean, I've never seen him like that emotional before. So you, he felt it, you know, he definitely felt it. And yeah. You could just tell the connection between you guys. Yeah. I mean, he's somebody that's very special to me. I mean, after we got our butts kicked by New York, he called and left me the longest voicemail <laughs> the next day. Mm. I'm calling just to make you smile. Some games are just like that. Mm. Throw it out the window. Like, you know, mm. um, but we were, when we first got the phone call, um, he texts me and me and you, who to thunk it? Like, so mm. it, it's been, you know, and we've had a lot of great, um, conversations and just moments over the years, especially like over his dinners that are notorious. I sat next to him every dinner. It started off, I think kind of as a mini hazing thing from the other coaches, but then it became a thing where it was like, if I was coming in a little bit later, I was meeting up with them. He literally wouldn't let anybody else sit for him. You know, he, he had that chair for me every time, um, would pull it out for me. Uh, he's just a gentleman. Um, and, and I appreciate that. Um, very thoughtful, very thoughtful and, and intentional in his actions. And as you mentioned in the speech last night, I mean, he did something that no one else has ever done before. I mean, you know, bringing you in well-deserved, you know, as an assistant coach, a female head coach, a female assistant coach into an NBA team was just, you know, unprecedented. And you could tell that, you know, how much he respects you and cares for you. And that came across last night. Well, and the thing is, is he downplays it. And, yeah. and it's funny because like when people come at me in a certain way with the, the trail, like I downplay it because it's, it's awkward to talk when somebody's sitting there telling you how great you are. Like, yeah, I am great. It's like, <laughs> it's weird. We don't know how to take good compliments. And so for me to kind of admonish him publicly like that, um, and tell him some things that are really true that I don't know. Um, I don't know if he can. He's just a very humble guy. Mm -hmm. He, he, neither of us, when he made that decision, thought of any big deal, you know, yeah. like, oh, cause to him, it was just such an ordinary basketball move. Here's a really bright young basketball mind. And I'm going to bring that bright mind on staff. It wasn't about even a male, female. It was really nothing yeah. until it became huge and something. And it was like, oh, you know, so, and at the end of the day, nobody in professional sports had ever done it. And now women are in major league baseball. They're in NFL. They're, they're in a, like every sport now. And he's really, I just, it's awkward for me to be like, Hey, I'm the trailblazer. But like, he was a trailblazer in his own right. Like by just being himself. Mm -hmm. Tired travel schedule. Crazy. How you feeling as we get ready for this game? Um, you know what? It's uh it is what it is. Uh, these are one of the moments where you, you walk into the gym and you feel the energy of the players, you feel the energy of the arena and, um, been doing this our whole lives. We've stepped out on that court many times tired and you didn't even know it. So yep. tonight will be no different. There you got it. All right. Good luck coach uh, tonight. And again, congratulations with the uh, hall of fame induction, uh, outstanding, well-deserved. Thank you guys. Becky Hammond, uh, last night, uh, before the game, Talking about her induction into the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame. What a great moment uh, for her and uh, so well-deserved. The one takeaway for me is, to me, is how special it was to see her and Pop go in together. Mm -hmm. 
you know, and, and I said to you, it's almost like he's a father figure to her. You know, I mean, it, their relationships beyond coach, you know, coaches and assistant coaches, players, whatever. Um, that was pretty cool. To go with that point, and I, when I said to her, too, I just can't get over it. I mean, and she hit the nail on the head with this in her speech, is that Greg Popovich did something that he did not have to do, and he did something that no one else has ever done to reach out to her and maybe get a lot of flack and have a female coach on his staff. Even though Becky Hammond was a tremendous basketball player, great college career, Hall of Fame, WNBA career, there are a lot of people, you know, going back to you know, 2013 that had no idea who Becky Hammond was, especially in NBA circles. And for him to do that, and like she said, it wasn't like I'm doing this just for this, or we're going to make a major press release and major announcement that, hey, I'm hiring a female coach. He goes, he just did it because he just felt like, hey, she's just as qualified as any male, and it didn't need to have a whole bunch of pomp and circumstance. Yeah, I, you know how I feel about it, and I, I think that uh, if she ever does end up in the NBA, I, I see it as the San Antonio Spurs coach. Makes a lot of sense. Um, Greg Popovich, those that have watched him coach people in the media who've tried to interview him or have interviewed him. Um, to me, he's a lot like Bill Lambeer where, you know, if you're in the circle, it, it, it it's all good. Lambeer had his detractors and he could be very rough. Uh, then there will be these moments kind of like Bill Belichick where, you know, Lambeer could be very funny and, you know, and good. Popovich is that same way. He can be very open, honest, um, maybe to a fault, but then he has these other moments where, you know, he's, he's, he's a lot of fun. And you saw the emotional side of Popovich when he was basically in tears. And so was, you know, Becky. And you see how special that relationship is. Uh, here's a moment from her speech on Saturday night in Springfield, Massachusetts. Pop, I'm not going to look at you. You're a man of principle and excellence. I know you weren't trying to be courageous when you hired me, but you did do something nobody else in professional sports has ever done. Becky Hammond on Saturday night, and again, just, you know, you heard her talk about it with me right there about that very, very special moment. And uh, she's living a great life right now. I mean, she wasn't anticipating coaching the WNBA, didn't know what was going to happen with her, you know, the Spurs, if she'd get another opportunity because she had interviewed for other NBA jobs, and Mark Davis and Nikki Vargas come calling and offer her to be the highest-paid WNBA coach, wins a championship her first year, aces on the verge of now breaking the all-time record, playing for a Commissioner's Cup championship tomorrow night. That would be their second in two years, and the favorites to win 
back-to-back WNBA championships, and she's generally having fun. She enjoys this. She does not look at this as a stepping stone to an NBA job. Because like we've talked about before, you got to be careful. You know, just because there's an open job and in any league, whatever you're coaching, doesn't mean it's the right job. This was the right job for her in so many ways, and I know that she is loving um, and just is so happy that she made the choice to accept this job from Mark Davis and Nikki Vargas. She's uh, she's living out her dream right now, and man, is she successful. Oh, no question. She's got the best job in the WNBA, the, the team – and this is a team that you you've talked about it several times. The nucleus is signed for you know several years. I mean, this is not going you know going away, you know, barring you know injuries and such. So yeah, she's going to be here for a while, but she's going to get her chance. Yeah. All right. Commissioner's Cup tomorrow night, and we will talk more about that uh, tomorrow. And tomorrow's show, you'll hear from uh, Asia Wilson, the MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, and it's going to be a big night tomorrow at the Michelob Ultra Arena. Marco, baseball tonight. Who you got? Well, I know uh, you're going to be on your Astros uh, tonight. I do. I am uh, in that game. I do like a play in that game, but I don't like Houston, and I don't like Miami. I like both of the pitchers tonight. Mm-hmm. I think you're going to get a good outing uh, from Valdez. We talked about it, and you had a lot of fun with me. That's the game I had the big lead uh, against the Angels. Yes. Okay. And uh, – or no, it wasn't the Angels. It was Baltimore. 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 Yeah. Angels got me earlier in the year against Houston. They all blend together. But uh, we, I expected a bad outing from Valdez last time. He was coming off the no-no, and he did. He gave up five runs in the first two innings. But if you look at the box score, he gave up six runs. He pitched through the seventh inning, which means the last five innings, he only gave up one run. He was dealing it. So as I expected, he came out not as focused as – you know, the last game coming off the no-hitter. So I expect him to pitch well tonight. And the kid for uh, Miami, uh, Braxton Garrett, has pitched uh, very well recently. And his when he pitches, um, he's on a 16-4 and four, uh, run to the uh, under Yeah, uh, with him on the uh, situation that he's in tonight, uh, pitching in a night game. So I'm going to go ahead and take the under. Now there's... Two, and I'll ask you, which would you prefer? You can get under seven and a half at some books plus money, or you can get eight under and lay 120. I, li- I would like to get that eight. You know me. I, that's, that's, a, that's a much safer number. Yeah. And you're right about Garrett. He's, he's solid. The thing about it is, though, you get into that Miami bullpen and – the Astros maybe get get seven or eight, uh, you know, themselves. So we'll see how that plays. An interesting game tonight is the Angels and the Rangers for this standpoint only. Max Scherzer taking the mound for Texas. This will be the first time that Scherzer has faced has faced Otani. Not from a pitching standpoint, but I'm saying Otani batting. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be some cool matchups to watch for as long as Scherzer is in the game with that, you know, tonight. It is. I didn't get involved in that one. I would lean to Texas, um, but because of the price and such, you would be looking at, you know, having to lay a run and a half. And I, I try not to do that very often. Um, especially with a home team, you know, I'll do it with a road team because you know, you're going to get your nine at bats. Um, that's the only problem with that, but Texas is playing. Great ball. Houston is winning, as you know, and they can't gain any ground. 
Yeah. Uh, you know, Texas just will not lose right now. And uh, this is going to be a fun battle to watch, you know, in the AL West. All right. Marco, appreciate you being here. Of course, uh, Marco at wagertalk.com. Go to that website, wagertalk.com, and you can subscribe to Marco's plays uh, with a variety of sports. And of course, he's with us every Monday and Friday. And of course, Friday at the world-famous Superbook at the Westgate Las Vegas. And we'll see between now and September 9th how many entries Marco has in the Super Contest. And we could talk him into going for the Super Contest gold. You like spending my money. Of course I do. <laughs> but only when it comes to, to feeding me, you know. Gotta love a good meal. You had some good meals this weekend, too, so don't let anybody fool yourself, you know. Yes, I paid for mine though. You did. <laughs> that makes one of us. <laughs> I want to thank Nubchuck. If you miss any part of the show, go to the website at tcmartinshow.com. Our blog or whatever you want to call it, the article on the front page regarding the Aces 27 and 3, that is up there. And also the interviews and everything else, and the current interview page, the classic interview page, all there at tcmartinshow.com. We're back at it for a terrible Tuesday session tomorrow, and then we get ready for the Commissioner's Cup. The Aces and the Liberty tomorrow night at the Mandalay Bay. Oh, yeah, that's going to be a good one. The winner of the game, $500,000. It means a lot. Seems weird, doesn't it? Oh, you're, you're playing for money? One game. Winner take all. Does the radio play-by-play guy get, get any of that? Yeah, unfortunately, no. <laughs> all right. We'll catch you tomorrow. Enjoy. Enjoy.